On the third day, there was a wedding at, in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory And his disciples believed in him. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit who works for our common good. That stuck out to me in Corinthians. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It stuck out to me because there's a certain irony that I noticed in the gospel. An irony that everyone in Jesus' gospel story today are gathering together for what would have been a community-wide party, celebrating the marriage of these two people who are getting married for the common good, celebrating joyous, the whole community gathered together. The irony being, we're still talking about not gathering together. We're still talking about how we work for the common good, yet we seem divided and unable to do that. And here we have a gospel story of everyone eating, drinking, celebrating together, and we are not able to figure that out. On top of it, there's reasons. Hospitals are full, deaths are rising, and the people who take care of us are tired and overwhelmed and running out of energy, and we're supposed to work for the common good. In my world as pastor, this irony hits me because the struggles and experiences that would normally hurt us and challenge us are still there. We're just experiencing them in these hard times that much harder. They're that much more troubling and that much more challenging, especially when there's no end in sight. It would be great to have a seven-day wedding feast party. Food, drink, and space to celebrate. Jewish weddings lasted for seven days. Seven days of of food and drink. Now, it's unclear. I tried to figure out the the, the research here, if, if I could nail this down. But it's unclear if the groom's family provided everything, like open bar, open banquet in our language, for seven days. Or if guests and family were, were, you know, sort of expected to, to bring a little something to add, add to, the, to the mix. To assist with the party provisions. Regardless, this party has a problem. And it's not COVID or disease or the obnoxious uncle or brother or friend who's the one that drank all the wine. It's that there's no wine. 
They've run out of wine. And not just run out of wine, it's only the third day. Seven days, they're not even half done with the party. They've run out of wine. You can imagine the scene, and I think we need to, to, to embrace the story. Mary, Jesus' mother, gets up from wherever she's reclining, and she goes to the serving table to fill her cup. More wine, please. And the servant gives her that helpless stare that servants give when they can't meet your request. And they know there's going to be a problem. Mary returns to the table. Jesus, there's no more wine. The shame of it all. That's what it would have been. The shame of it all upon this family, upon the groom's family, the bride's family. Wine meant blessing. It was a sign of God's blessings of abundance of love and and children and health and wealth into the future. And they've run out. At that point of the shame, it's not just wine that they've run out of. It's blessing. It's God's presence. To be unable to continue the celebration for your guests not only showed bad planning and poor resource management on this poor groom's part. It didn't bode well for the future. This would have likely stayed with the family for years to come. Remember when they ran out of wine. And so Mary finds Jesus. They've run out of wine. We know the story, and sometimes it, 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 uh, it hits us wrong because of the context when she says they've run out of wine, and Jesus says, woman, what is that to you and to me? We, we don't hear that quite right in our English language, and I invite you to, to step back from sort of the affront of the language, the harshness. It, it's sort of more like in our language, mom... <laughs> All my friends are here. You're telling me what to do. Something akin to that. Mother, I know I'm aware of what's going on. So you don't need to hear it harshly. But what you do need to hear is that John's gospel likes to ask questions of the reader, of the people, which then inform how we as hearers understand the rest of the story, Jesus' actions. But then our own actions and our own story in the world. And so the question is, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says, Mom, what is that to you and to me? What concern is this family's shame to you and to me? Well, the answer is, apparently, it's at least of some concern because Jesus acts. Do whatever he tells you. And then he tells them. And we know the story, fill the water jugs. And they fill the water jugs and the water turns into wine when they taste it. It's a miracle. God's glory is revealed or Jesus' power is there in the world. The disciples can believe miracle, water into wine. Kind of a strange miracle though. I mean really, it is. Nobody's healed Nobody's resurrected, nobody's restored to wholeness. It's more something I would expect a frat party to really enjoy (laughs) versus whatever. I'm not trying to knock Jesus, I'm just thinking it's a weird miracle. 
In fact, nobody even knew who was responsible for it except for the servants and and disciples and Mary. The steward tastes this new wine, and it is not only pretty good, it was better than the other wine that was served. And he immediately goes to the bridegroom. And he says, wow, everyone, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become too drunk to care, but you've kept the good wine until now. Honors not decreased, but increased. He's not diminished in the eyes of the community. He's, he's raised up, and I can imagine the look on his face. Because he doesn't know what's been going on. He doesn't know they've run out. All he knows is that he went to the wine buyer and spent some pretty good money for that first wine and some pretty less money for the second wine, and the second wine's better. For those of you that like to play around with economics, you can imagine how he might feel. Hey, man, what are you pulling here? But that's part of the point. The story plays out, and for the groom, it's a miracle. For the groom, after the fact, when he finds out everything that's been going on on, that they've run out, he realizes that God's blessing's not only with him, it's with him in an extravagant way that he couldn't predict. And in an extravagant way that he couldn't plan for or see. Because really when we talk about this as a miracle, the miracle here isn't that the water is turned into wine. The miracle is that when God is concerned, and now you have to start thinking about John's language. When God is concerned, scripture names God the bridegroom, and we the people, God's bride, the church, When God is concerned, the best is yet to come. And what that does is it opens our eyes and our hearts to look at the world in a different way. The best is yet to come. Things will keep getting better. It's a strange message in these strange times to say, more or less to believe, because it doesn't look like it. That's why this story is not called a miracle, it's called a sign. It's called a thing that makes us look outside of ourselves. Because that's what happens when things get hard as we look inside of ourselves and we feel like we've run out of blessing. Run out of grace, run out of strength, run out of power, run out of whatever it is that we've run out of. And then we can't see right. We can't see correctly. We can't see the good from the bad. We can't see God's presence and God's power. We, we only see inferior life. This was a sign that revealed God's glory. And the glory is that Jesus presides over life. Despite what it looks like. Despite our inability to act for the common good. Life is moving towards a banquet between God and God's church, the bride, and God, the groom. And that also tells you that God has you. That God has united God's life to you in in an unending, never-failing way. And so this sign points us to Jesus, to his life, his death, and his resurrection. At what time did they run out of wine at the wedding? You can answer. 
the third day. And so Jesus lived, and so Jesus died, and on the third day, he rose again. This wine comes dripping into people's life, pouring with God's blessing, showing us that God is generous, and not only generous, but that God will pour out God's life for you and for me, full of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, and that is God's glory. That when we have run out of our own blessings, when what we've managed to cling to with our own hands has slipped between our fingers or poured down the drain or gotten knocked over or run out, whatever, that God is there. That Christ is there. To point us to something bigger. And I think that's a message we need to hear. And it's a special message that you and I have for the world as well as, well, the bride of Christ. And when you look at the story and think about the common good where we started from, what you end up seeing is who knew the secret of the water being changed into wine? Who went out and eventually told the whole story to the groom, to the guests, to the community? The servants. And that, dear friends, is you and me. And we share it with each other. So look around. Because we have to start here. Look around. I invite you. See, see these people. <laughs> we, we've come here for what's going to amount to about a 40-minute party today. <laughs> I doubt you'll complain because playoffs are on and, and you can get some brunch, whatever. But the point is we're drawn together to proclaim God's glorious love for ourselves so that we can be strengthened and sustained to go out into the world to point them to a party and a celebration that eventually will not end. Amen. Thanks be to God.